gear up for game day and every day at the Hangar Team Stores. From hats to jerseys, tees, and more, the Hangar has the best selection of official Stars gear for every fan. For a location near you or to shop online, visit HangarHockey.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hey, Pod Rushers. We, we are so excited about this one that we both slapped on a pair of adult pampers. Woo! Here we go, Heike. One of my great fears is having to wear those. I said to you last night on the plane, that's how we're starting the Podman Rush. So much to get to this week. This is Podman Rush 9, by the way. Brought to you by our friends at Truly Hard Seltzer. Uh, have you ever come close to peeing yourself, Mike? No, I haven't. I've been very fortunate in that regard. Not even but, maybe laughing hysterically at Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or anything? You no? know, it's funny. I hear people say that they do that. It, it's never happened to me that I'm laughing so hard that I pee myself. I laughed so hard I peed my pants. Well, there you go. I think it happens, though. Yeah. I think it happens. Especially when I say things. I can understand <laughs> people peeing their pants after I've said something. Because I'm not funny. I you am are. Super, I am super funny. And Jason Robertson is super talented. And in fact, Jason Robertson's point streak has been like a strong stream near a pounding waterfall, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Once you start, you just can't stop. That yeah. is an analogy right there. Huh? You paint a picture. Unfortunately, yes. 15 games in a row now. 16, technically, right? 16 now. We moved to last yeah. night. Thank you, Mike. God. <laughs> it's okay. But I, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be perfect. He's going to go to 16. Marner's not going to get a point. Uh, and he's going to have the longest current run in the NHL as he approaches the franchise record run uh, for the Stars. What does Marner do? He gets a point last night. So it's crazy, though. Those two guys, Marner's at 17, Robo's at 16, by far the longest point streaks in the league this year. And I think Marner's on the cusp of the Maple Leafs record, just as Robertson's coming awfully close to Brian Bellow's Record sent back in the eighties, pretty crazy stuff. Yes, he's the especially leading what the scoring was back then. Right, good point. I mean, goaltending was awful in the eighties. I'm told that all the time. <laughs> They're also <laughs> tiny and small. I wasn't. I was just well, terrible. I know, I'm joking. <laughs> so Robertson is the leading goal scorer and point producer in all of the Chell, as the kids call it. Uh, it's a. I mean, we're two months into this thing. We're two months in. This isn't like a nice little week or two or even a nice month. This is well into the season. This is over a quarter of the season gone. And Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars is the best offensive threat in the National Hockey League. And just watching him, it's just like last night. I mean, really, you just wheel, turn, fling it at the net and goes right inside the post. Like, you watch him, and you're like, oh, yeah, he is one of the best players in the yeah. NHL. Yeah, he's he's Vaseline on skates, man. He just – he's a slippery dude. 
and a sagacious one at that. And uh, he can snipe, and he showed it last night. You know what I was wondering the other day? Whether uh, Robertson has ever played center. Have you ever asked him? I have not. Doesn't he, doesn't he strike you as a guy that could, would, would be a really good center iceman? Yeah, he wants the puck, and that's, you know, typically what a center does. He, you know, he holds on to it. He finds it. Um, and he's smart, like you said. I mean, I think you said sagacious, but, you know, for the elementary yeah, school d- kids. Please uh, dumb like it me, down for me, if you would, Mike. He's smart. He's pretty smart. <laughs> he, uh, he has good hockey uh, sense, vision, anticipation. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, he definitely could be a center. Uh, the face-off thing is always kind of tricky. Yeah, I, we were debating how important that is last night, but as they were absolutely drumming the St. Louis Blues on faceoffs. Well, he doesn't need a center right now because his center is Rope Hance, who just inked. Is it even dry? I love that. Do, <laughs> it can't be dry as we record this thing. He just inked an eight-year extension today. Or yesterday, in, I don't know when. In the inkwell and- How did that work? It seemed like there was it was a rather busy day, and then a flight, and then you wake up and it's like, hey, check this out, Rope's under contract for eight years, nine if you want to count this one. I think they kind of timed that out for the two day break, and to mess up my day off. Screwed up Hika's day off, and we have we have nowhere to to. Uh, trumpet it because we don't do a broadcast for two, two days. <laughs> so look at they messed with both of us, Mike. There you go. At least we can podcast this thing. That's true. So, so I guess the uh, yeah the timing of it is is uh, somewhat surprising, is it not? Yeah, but that's Jim. I mean, it's so weird. I mean, the, I was surprised the ones in the summer took as long as they took. And then I'm surprised this one got done so quickly. Um, I, my guess is that they went to to uh, the uh, Haskinen numbers and then Rope said, OK, that's fine with me. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, one, obviously, it's a great contract uh, for the player to get that kind of money. But two, to have two guys who are big shots, who are going to be here for a while, uh, making the exact basically the exact same cap hit. Um it's it's a nice little tidy package. Uh, so they may have gotten this done a week ago and said, all right, we'll announce this on uh, Monday. Maybe. I, I don't know. It, it is it is kind of odd, though, when you think of how protracted the man we just spoke about's contract was as an RFA. But I guess there's not much to wait on for an RFA if they drop eight times 8.5 on the table, is there? It's like... It's like what? Sure, good. I'm I'm good. I'm in. <laughs> well, the other thing is his age. I mean, Ottinger and and Robertson are 23. Uh, uh, Hints is 26. Uh, the urgency for the organization, I think, was a lot higher because they didn't want him to ponder f- unrestricted free agency. Well, that so. and and it, I mean, he's just he's C one, right? He's center number yeah. one. He's uh, so elite and great at even strength on their penalty kill, on their power play. He drives everything as far as pace. He's certainly one of the best two-way players in the Western Conference, if not the league. 
I have coined the phrase the 17,000-square-foot player. used to be called the 200-foot player, Mike, and I thought that was, as Kucherov says, number one BS because <laughs> you're, only, you're only counting the length of the arena right. or rink. You're, you're not even bringing into uh, the conversation 85 feet wide. So put it together. So, so were you out there with a the tape measure measuring <laughs> no, everything like you, did, like you did I, with the glass a couple <laughs> years ago? <laughs> I did too. I did. I, yes. Home I improvement. I have a lot of spare, of lot of spare time, Mike. That's uh, right. But, but I've come up with 17,000 square foot player. That's what they are. I liked it. The yes, guy who is correct. a terrific player on every square inch of the rink is a 17,000 square foot player. And by being a 17,000-square-foot player, they get paid handsomely, way more than $17,000. That might be like an (laughs) hourly rate or something along that line. So now you look at that top line and you're like, I mean, I'm rounding up, but you have uh, 8.5 next year for Rope. You have 7.75 for uh, Robo. And then if Joe were to re-up, because he's a UFA at 5.5, you got you got a smacking of uh, of money that has been earned on that trio that is regarded as one of the best lines in the league, right? Yeah, and and they've earned it. I, I think that's we always talk about you know getting a contract and giving money to players, and uh, every owner, every GM I've ever talked to said, you know what, if if they go out and produce numbers like that, then we're happy to pay them. Um, and right now that line has consistently produced. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it still doesn't have a nickname. We talked failure of imagination on a pass pod pertaining to the Hintz line, not having mm-hmm. a proper sobriquet. Do you want to dumb that one down too, Mike? I, I don't even know what that means. It, it means I'm, nickname. I'm joking. Oh, it's so French that was, sounding. That's my though. sarcasm. It, it gets people- ex- it gets People exotic when I go French. Up right Shush! Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Well, they'd be. You could call them the twenty-one million dollar men or something. Yeah. For next year, be around that, wouldn't it? Uh, alas, I saw some outstanding suggestions on uh, the platform that Elon is bent on destroying on the Twitter. After we had talked about it, there were some good ones that came in. Did you any of them cross your feed? No, they were all targeting you. You must have been too busy with 60s Disney movie stuff to get into that. Yes, maybe. So That darn cat. That darn cat. Pollyanna. The the two guys, I don't think I'm wrong in this statement right now. The two best forwards, maybe the two best players on this team are second-round draft picks. You're correct. Like, Robo's a second-round draft pick. Rope, who just got paid, is a second-round draft pick. So I went back. This is what I do. And I just started looking at second-round draft picks through the years. And it's not like these two guys are the... This is the first time the stars have ever, you know, struck gold in the second round. But it is interesting to look at some of the names. And... In the early aughts, how many second-round draft picks they had some of those years? I think Doug Armstrong would have been the general manager, and he was the king of trading down to get tons of second-round picks. 
I recall those days. So you can go all the way back to Lee Jinman and his epic tenure with the Stars. But just listen to some of these names. Lee Jinman, Patrick Cote, who was quite the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, sad, late uh, Roman Lyashenko. Uh, John Erskine and Tyler Bauk. Mike Ryan and Dan Jansevsky. Dan Ellis. Then in o in o two they 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 struck some gold in o two with one and also in o three but prior to to drafting Trevor Daly in two thousand two they took Yanis Voss Tobias Steffen and Manius Holtet they had Good four second the, round draft picks for the Euro Scouts they had four <laughs> second round draft picks and then the following year they had three Louis Erickson fairly fine player. Yes. Uh, Wojtek Polak or Polak and BJ Crombeen. Uh, and then there was another uh, three second round pick year, Johan Franson, Ray Sawada, who was one of the guys that got clocked in Boston that night, and uh, the great Nick Grossman. And then in 05, some guy named James Neal. The real deal. Yeah, he was. The, in fact, he turned out to be the real deal, didn't he? He did. Uh, Nico Sacchetti. <laughs> Tyler Beskarwani. Uh, Alex Jason. Uh, Patrick Nemeth. Still rocking. Yeah. In the league. Brett Ritchie. Uh, you get into 2012. Ludwig Bystrom. Mike Winther. Then they hit on Devin Shore. Now with these Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Uh 2013. Uh Remy Ellie, Philip DeRogers or DeRoger. Can't remember which one it is. And then Brett Pollock. And then in 15 and in 17, Rope Hints, Jason Robertson. And there's a chance going forward there'll be a couple others. 2021, second-round draft pick, Logan Stankoven. He good. Last year, last year uh, they took Jordan Kairou's brother, Christian Kairou. Uh, but there haven't been a ton of se- – actually, there haven't been a ton of second-round picks the last, like, seven years. 2015, 2017, 2018, 21, and 22. So – Anyway, that's your history lesson for today. And look, I like that. Mike, I have a, a deep and uh, emotional connection and affinity to all second-round draft picks. I wonder why that is. Well, because, Mike, I was a second-round draft pick Whoa. way back when. Yeah, way back when. And uh, that's why I bring up the Lee Jinmans uh, and the Jan- Dan Jansevskis and the uh, – who? Uh, where's another one in there? The, what was the one? Manius Holtet. That's why I bring those ones up. They don't all turn out, is my point. Eh, <laughs> I, I do like when you told the story of your draft that the TV station cut off. They did, they got just before pick. I got picked. They did. <laughs> we don't care about those yeah. late second rounders. No. no, we all sat around and then it was like, nah, I guess it's not happening. Then it did. Just got a phone yeah. call. On the kitchen phone, tethered to the wall. Long time ago. The- those were long good times. Long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that this controversy bubbled up uh, with a, a Stars game. 
Uh, goalies losing their head. Quite, quite the controversy in the aftermath of Stars' OT loss to Winnipeg on, was that Friday? Mm, no, Colorado was Friday. It must have been Wednesday. Was huh? it Wednesday? No, you're right. Friday. Yeah, you're right. Because it was Friday and then Colorado was Saturday. Thank I'm you, getting Mike. confused here. I was just I laying it out for you. I was just trying to include you in that. <laughs> Didn't think you. I was going to confuse you with that. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's been talked about a lot everywhere. So I thought, well, we'll talk to her about it on the Podman Rush. Why not? And and it involves goaltending, and it involves a Stars game. Uh, I found it stunning that it counted. Yes. So late in the game, Jamie Benn gets shoved into Connor Hellebuck uh, and knocks him, and he got rocked pretty good. Knocks his mask off. Uh, the play goes around him behind the net, goes out to who else? Jason Robertson. And he wires it into the empty net, and it's the tying goal. Yes. Late, uh, you know, it was the second six-on-five goal. They had goalie on the bench twice, scored twice, got it to overtime because of that. And as it was pointed out that, you know, they, they don't have to challenge that final minute. League looks at everything as far as the goalie interference. And it wasn't goalie interference. It was the textbook version of Jamie got shoved in by their guy. And that was the contact. And that isn't goalie interference. However, the fact that their goaltender was laying flat on his face uh, and without a mask as the puck got shot into the net was something else and they had an understandable hissy fit after the game about that that being counted what what did you think of it at the time and what did you think in the aftermath of it well I go back to the Ben Bishop play because that to me that was shocking because it seemed like it took a long time for it was a blues right to score on Ben Bishop when he went down Yep. Um, in the playoffs. And and so at that time, I was just I was shocked that the refs would let something like that go. And, you know, then again, it was a very similar situation. I mean, different, but similar uh, in that I don't think Ben lost his mask. Uh, but uh, he was I mean, he was out. He looked like he he wasn't in a good place. And so at that point in time, you do wonder if that's you know, I don't know if you want to say fair or safe or how do you want to phrase it? But it just seems like as a civilized league, we would stop play. And, you know, I think you and I both talked to some people and said, you know, had they stopped that play, I don't think the stars would have protested. I think they would have just said, yeah, well, of course, it's logical. I mean, yeah. it's laying there on the side of the crease. Yep. But because they, it went on and they scored, they're like, OK, we'll take it. Um, but I, I just think the rule needs to be that the referee should stop play to protect the goalie. And it's interesting that some games they protect everybody. I know. And then some games they don't protect anybody. Yeah. I, look, that, that was a zany finish. To, there was a lot going on. There was a yeah. lot going on late in that game. And no matter, no matter how high above the surface you are, it always looks easier to do what you just said at ice level than it actually is. You're like, well, why didn't yeah. the refs just see it and blow it dead? Well, by the time they probably saw it, and it, what was it? It was only about three or four seconds after that the puck was shot into the net, uh, and you know they get blocked out for a second, and they're looking at. You know, at that point, there were eleven players in that end of the rink, 
and a goalie laying down on the ice. So there was a lot. There was a lot of traffic. Yeah. And there, were, there was a lot going on. I, I have two deeply cerebral thoughts on masklessness. Is that what it would be? I think so. Yeah, I think that's definitely how the dictionary says it. It does. Oh, does it, Mike? <laughs> so the rule should clearly state that the only way a goal is allowed on a goalie who has lost his mask is on a direct rebound. Because I, th- I believe that is the... I believe that to be the spirit of this thing. Yes. I, I think the whole idea was, okay, if somebody shoots a puck and it knocks a goalie's mask askew or off, and there's from that, there's another chance right away, and that goes in. Well, we're not going to say the goal doesn't count just because the goalie was losing his mask. It happened, bang, bang, and it's going to count. Now, if somehow the goalie loses his mask and then there's – a pass, like a player has the puck, and then he passes to someone else or passes to someone else and that person passes to someone else and then they shoot it, there's no way that that should count. Yeah. But I, I, it happens too quickly in the rebound scenario for them to, to protect them to that degree, I feel. And it happened yes. to Kari. It happened to Kari Lettinen. I can't remember how long ago it was or what game it was, uh, but he got... He got hit in the mask, and it was coming off, and, and it was a direct rebound, and it was shot in. And it was like, yep, yeah, they're going to count that. Yeah. And, it, they, and they should count it. They, they really should. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little different than other people. So I've heard some people who are, who are nefarious in, in some ways, uh, kind of evil, in that they think, well, all the players in front of the goalies don't have masks on, so – if he loses his mask, shouldn't they just play it through? And it's like, nah, it's a little bit different when you're the last guy back there and and you don't have any protection whatsoever. Like a, a helmet protects their temples, the back of their heads, and you know, a little bit of the front. Everyone's got a visor on now. So it is it's almost like a three quarter mask. Yeah. Uh, so you can't just sit there and say, well, you know, they're blocking shots in front of them with no mask on. The goalie can do it for a few seconds. I don't really fully believe that. But my second thing, though, in my cerebral thought diatribe here, the, the masks should be secured on the me- melons of modern netminders much better. I, I think that's the issue. Like, those, those masks should never come off. Yeah. I don't understand. Chin strap, maybe? No, I, I don't think it's the chin. No, I, I don't like chin strap. I don't, I don't I like that. I, I don't like that idea because if you understand how the modern mask works, it, it's a it's a hybrid, right? Because it's a cage with a mask, and and on the chin, there's a, there's a there's there is actually a chin strap in there, but it's just where your chin rests. It's it's not actually securing the mask to your head like a chin strap does for players, right? But the the actual uh, straps, like the strapping that connects the there's a back plate, and then there's your mask in in front of you, and the the actual straps are the same as they were when I played. Like they're plastic. Yeah. And I think if you told goaltenders, you have to have that thing secured on your head so that it, it it's not going to come off. It is not going to come off. Uh, because the issue you have now is there, you take a puck off one of those plastic snaps 
and then all of a sudden the goaltender can feel it moving on his head a little bit, and then they shake their head, and then all of a sudden they shake their, their mask off. Well, if that thing was secured better than it is now, I don't think you'd have I, I don't think you'd have this issue. Now would would uh Hellebuck's head might have still been in the mask if, <laughs> if that was the case. That might be right. one of the bad byproducts of that. Uh but I, I think I think his mask would have stayed on his head. It might have been sideways, but he could have at least pushed it back around and then gone back and tried to defend his net. Yeah. And and I'll also say this. This is a public service announcement. It's a mask. It's not a helmet. Stop calling goaltenders masks helmets. They're not helmets. The players wear helmets. The goalies wear masks. Unless a goaltender's in there with the old school helmet with a cage in front, the Trechak cage with a helmet, then you can say he lost his helmet. But it's a mask, not a helmet. Oh, I got that off my chest. I feel better. Now, is it a, a locker room? Is that what you were saying? Oh, it's a dressing room, Mike. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Uh, so that anyway, that that's my that's my feeling on it. That that it it uh, the masks need to get fixed a little bit, and they need to just maybe clarify that actual rule a little clearer. Yeah. And a lot of it just comes down to the refs. Like I said, we've had games where a defenseman gets hurt or, you know, and boom, the whistle blows. And you're like, well, why was that? And it was just that ref decided that, hey, we need to stop playing and protect this guy. Yeah, it's the human element. It's it not is. A bad, it's not a bad no. thing, Mike. It's not a bad thing. Uh, so anyway, the, the, the other thing that came up in that one was, man, he got nailed hard in the head. And with everyone worried about concussions... You're like, okay, l- let's look at this. He had his head, his neck snapped sideways. His head rocked so violently that he lost his mask, and he was laying motionless on the ice. But he never got pulled from the game from the spotter. Could you imagine? It's a, okay. No. The goal counted, but your goalie has to leave the game, and your backup's going to have to come in with how? What was the, what was left? Like forty five seconds. Yeah, in regulation, and, and then yeah. on into overtime. So, you know, that that was the other part of it that was kind of odd. Because it was the same game that Marchman got pulled for by a spotter, right? Right. I don't, I don't understand all of it, Mike. No, I, and, and it, Marchman, Marchman said he, he didn't really have any symptoms. But, yeah. again, the spotter says, yeah, you do. So Yeah. I, and Hellebuck looked like he had symptoms. <laughs> it looked like when he was laying motionless on the ice without a mask on, yeah, symptomatic. So we've covered some stuff here. The other thing is that red line in St. Louis last night was illegal. And I'll go to my grave on that. I have a big issue. I'm at war with NHL red lines. You know that, though. I do. All the potters and the rushers out there understand that the Razor Boy is in mortal one-on-one combat with NHL red lines. And the one in St. Louis is illegal by the definition of the NHL's own rule book. It can't be a solid red line. It it states right in the rule book that it has to be broken up. We have the state of Texas break up our red line in Dallas. Very creative. Illegal. If they'd have won last night, I would have pushed the Dallas Stars to ask 
the NHL that the St. Louis Blues would have to forfeit the game because it was an illegal surface that they were forced to play on last night. What do you think of that? I just laugh at you with yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, the irony of the red line is it's there for icing and everything, but like who, who even uses the red line? Like icing is kind of an area call anyway. So, yeah. you know, if, if you get up to within a foot of the red line oh, and dump it in, oh, I know. do we really need, Mike, I don't know. Mike, you're going down a rabbit hole. I, I'm not going to go down I am. right now. Hey, we were speaking of helmets just a second ago. Yes. The the days of the quote unquote no bucket warm up are numbered, and this makes me insanely sad and infinitely sad. Going, I, I, I love no bucket warm up. I I love it. I think it's a great thing. I think it's terrific for fans. I don't. I do not believe it's that dangerous. We can't protect them. What are we going to do? Bubble wrap these guys in warm up now? Like, it's not that bad. Like, stuff no, happens. They, they, they seem to know where the puck's going to go. Like, stuff happens. Every now yeah. and then, yes, somebody's going to, there's going to, something bad will happen. doesn't mean that all of a sudden now you're, you're going to have to wrap everyone in bubble wrap out there so nothing bad happens in warm-up. Like, the, the no-bucket thing, I used to grade teams on possibility of success that night on how many guys went with no helmet and warm-up. <laughs> I actually did. I'd look down at it. Scientific like, system. I'd be like, yeah, this is my, this is Razorlytics again. I'd look down and I'd be like, man, they got 10 guys with no buckets. This is going to be a tough one. Yeah. This will be tough. You know, and the old school stars had, they, they didn't get out no bucketed, is that, if that's the proper way to say it, uh, by too many teams. No. But every now and then you'd be like, holy crap, they have a dozen guys with no helmets on. In warm-up. They're just flying around. It looks so old school. They look so free. It reminds Feeling me of like... Ro- in their hair. It reminds me of riding motorcycles here in Texas, <laughs> which I loved in my youth. And it, the thing I loved most was I didn't have to wear a helmet. I put a toque on, and I jumped on my vengeance chopper, and I scared all the soccer moms in Coppell repeatedly. Whap! And I loved it. I was free. I was free. You're such a bad boy. And I love the fact that these guys had the flow going and warm up. You know, you spend a couple minutes in front of the mirror. It doesn't hurt. Put some product in. Go out there and get after it. And uh, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. It, it made the players much more identifiable. They all go out there in a helmet and a yeah. visor. They all look the same. It's the same guy going around and around. I, I, and even, even now, like, at least don't do your chin strap up. Have that degree of cool going during warm up. But if like you have it, used to have. man, if you have it locked down and you're going through warm up, don't really, really. Can I give the you young, a strange aside? Young guys, young guys all have the chin straps done all the way up, and they call them warmies, or at least some do. It's time for warmies. Warmies? I barf like, like, pajamas, I barf like otter warmies. at that. I barf like otter last night at that. That's how <laughs> sick that makes me. That is pretty sick. It is pretty sick. All right, sick. here's my, my weird aside. So I'm watching the Blues uh, morning skate, and every coach is wearing a baseball cap. 
except for Craig McTavish. He's just got his hair just flying out there. Eighty-year-old Craig McTavish or whatever he is. I didn't even notice that or think of that. That's perfect. It was. I'm going like he never wears a hat. Come on. He was the last, and his and his hair was perfect. I will say that he was the last to ever not wear a helmet in an NHL game. So why would he put a ball cap on? He's nah. He's letting the salad release man he's having it out there <laughs> it just made me laugh that is great i never even thought of that mac t that's a good one that is a good one you know what i was thinking also with our time in st louis uh you ever ponder this what if what if jamie ben had scored on that wraparound in ot in game seven in st louis i do ponder that so what do you deduce from that? Would the Stars have gone on to win it all that year? It's an it's a really interesting question because I do think they would have beat San Jose. It's just, I don't know. You I just, agree. You, you, you get a gut feeling in your gut that that's what would have happened. But Boston was pretty I good know. that year. I know. And but so, what, can you imagine Sagan going back against Boston? Well, and then Tyler actually had a pretty good playoff run that year. I think he had 11 points in 13 games or something. Could you imagine... If you know what would if he really did get inspired and all of a sudden had this huge series, what would that have meant to his career? Mm. Mm. The next level of it for me was: Would Zuccarello be a star and Joe Pavelski be a Tampa Bay Lightning? Probably yes. Yeah, because if if he helps Crazy, you win the isn't cup it? or even just get to the final, yeah, now you're like, okay, well, we gotta we gotta make this work somehow. Yeah, because he was good here. You're very you good. Mean, yeah. So, yeah, I think they would have done that. The The other interesting part of all this is, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, you, you win a cup. I don't know. You just look at how everything happened the next year and you're just like, wow. You know, and the other interesting part is I, I'm a huge fan of St. Louis. I'm glad they won. I'm glad for their fans. I'm glad for Army. I'm glad for Ott. So you don't want to take that away from them, but... Boy, it sure would have been sweet. Pat Maroon? Uh, he's he? fine. He he would have Where? gone elsewhere and he would have been fine. Yeah, but he wouldn't he wouldn't have had three in a row. That's true. Would the stars have Bo- won back? <laughs> would the stars have won back to back? You do wonder if if that does change how certain players look in the playoffs. I mean, Tyler to me is the one that, you know. He's been hurt so many times that if he actually had a run where he was the spotlight in the in a Stanley Cup final and then he rose to the occasion, it really could change his mindset, his confidence, his swagger, as he likes to say, uh, and, and, you know, made him a different type of player. He would have been pretty banged up, though, or he was, yeah. excuse me, he was pretty banged up, though, in that that run in in twenty twenty. Anyway, they could, have, just, they could have just rested him throughout the whole San Jose series because I, I think we win that in four. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just just being there yesterday and I was looking up at that banner and I was just like, man, just a wrap around away from not having any of that St. Louis. And I, I can't remember, but like more than half the puck was over the line, wasn't it? Like, I mean, uh, it was it was pretty deep I'll, in there. I'll say it broke the plane. The 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 thing that that sends a chill is and it all happened so fast like if Jamie if Jamie had just tried to tuck it right by the post 
it's in. Yeah. It's in. But his momentum took him around, and as he was wrapping, the puck actually goes toward the middle of the net, and it gets met by the left pad of Bennington and stays out. But there was a massive one-foot hole right by the pipe that if he, you know, if the wrist is rolled and the tip of the blade is hooked, it's in, and they win. Yeah. They win. So, anyway, can't change that, can you? No. I wish you could. wish you could go back in time, change it all up. That'd be nice. Instead of going forward, moving with momentum and what have you. What else you got? Uh, Moving forward, uh, I want to look back. Oh, my God. So, in 1999... The Stanley Cup champions, remember them? Yeah, Mike. Uh, Madonna was 28. Uh, Hatcher, I think, was 27, 26. Sador, Matt Vichuk, Lettinen, Langenbrunner, all in their, you know, mid-20s. And uh, I kind of look at this group right now and say, you know, this is about the time you're supposed to be contending for championships. And with Rope's contract today... Uh, he's 26. The others are 23. So they may be, you know, they're a year or two away. But we could be moving into an area where the quote unquote core is not that different from the quote unquote core from 1997, uh, 98, 99. And I just think that's intriguing. And then the other thing is that, you know, those four guys, I think Madonna was first, Sador was seventh, Hatcher was eighth. I think, Overall, uh, you mean as far as picks? Yeah, yeah. as draft picks. Mavichuk was yeah. ninth. So they had four guys who had taken the top ten in the draft. And then you look at Miro and Ottinger. And, you know, I, I know uh, Robertson and Hint are second-round picks. But, I mean, these are these are guys who you have high expectations for. And I'm very curious to see what they do going forward. Robertson, well, what was, to me, is— What was Langenbrunner? He was a second-round pick. Yeah, there you go. So he's just was like he? Hint. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I got thinking the same thing when we were in Colorado, speaking of Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. And you look at now they had to go through what they had to go through in order to get there. And that's part of it, too. Yeah. You, you know, you you don't get what you desire and it it creates a maybe a, a harder burn and a deeper desire to, to get there with the failures that come of bowing out in the second round, would they do it three years in a row? But the, if if you look at, at their core, it's the same thing. It, a bunch of guys that were drafted, I think in the top four, like you, you have to have that as part of the, the pillars of I- I- any championship aspirational club. Yeah. You, you, I mean, talent, there's no substitute for talent. No, you're not going to win a cup. Chicago's a great you're not going to win a cup on a bunch of, uh, you know. Oh well, you know what? We hit on third and fourth round draft picks, and we just yeah. got lucky. Doesn't we happen. signed a bunch of free agents, and yeah, they all happen. came together. No, no. I, I think if you look all the way through, I mean, Tampa's the same thing. Like you yeah. have to be really crappy at some point, or crappy enough, uh, and then you have to be crafty enough. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to be crappy to draft really high and get great. Uh, franchise players that way and then you have to be crafty enough to be able to build around them and and nowadays navigating a a salary cap along with it back then you didn't have to worry about that you just added if you know if you had an 
owner that wanted to spend the money just added all the players on planet Earth and went for it that way. And that's why there were only not even a full-fingered hand worth of clubs that could win it. Yes. Realistically. But it made it fun. I mean, even back then, the David versus Goliath aspect of Stars Oilers was a blast. Yes. And you don't you don't really get that. I think last year in some ways last year against Calgary was as close as you get because the Flames throttled the Stars in a lot of analytical shots on goal areas in that. But uh, our boy Ottinger had a slingshot, and he was firing away <laughs> at the giant. You really are a wordsmith. The guy just that just came to me, Mike. Can you believe now that? That, that one, I'm not I, eating I'm, mushrooms or anything. It's nothing's I, going I'm on. I'm leading back to you have to be crappy, and then you have to be crafty. I think we can make a poster yeah. out of that. Yeah, or a t-shirt at least. I think. Yeah, at least a t-shirt. So they <laughs> let's wrap up this one by wrapping up the month that was. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I, look, you don't have to go back that far to find a month that was akin to the one they just had, and really, in a lot of ways, much better. Uh, but the individual performances, I don't remember the individual performances in 2015 uh, being, being as as explosive as the two left wingers were this month for the Stars. No. Do you? No. I, I've never... You look back at some of these numbers and... Nobody's been this good. I mean, let alone one guy to have two in the same same month. Yeah, I mean it's impressive. Yeah, I mean Jamie, I, the Benessance, the for me the Benessance was as good as uh, the the Robo Ration Nation thing. You know, like like Jamie just turned the clock back. Yeah, and he was great again last night. Yep. The only games he didn't play great were against Colorado for whatever reason. <laughs> You know? I wonder on the first star of the month or whatever they do for the NHL, you know, are these two the top two players? Oh in the my league? God, they have to be. And then can they split it? Uh, good point. But they have to, they have to be. Yes, like they give an award for best player of the month. So it was just a month where Jamie could not stop picking up multi-point games, and Robertson couldn't stop scoring. I can't stop that. That that's what he looked like after he scored that goal last night. I don't know, guys. I cannot stop scoring. I can't. That was I can't, such I can't. a great reaction. Like I can't stop scoring. <laughs> yeah, love I'm, love you know. on me, all of you, because I can't stop doing this. Oh, it's been a blast and to watch. Pete, Pete is always so funny on his you know review of things, and he's just like, I don't know how he does it. And he goes, you know, I, I was looking. I go, you know, I really should be impressed, but I'm not. It's just who he is. Yeah. I asked him the other day, I was like, hey, you've coached a lot of guys, different teams, junior, what, you know, he's been a coach for a long, long time. I was like, you ever had anybody that is similar that you could compare Robertson to? He's like, no. He said, we were just talking about that as coaches. And then he called him unique. And that's really what he is. He's Yes. Because he's, he's not, I, I try over and over to find somebody that was kind of like him. And I know I've said to you that, the, that Rob Brown reminds me a little bit of him and that it never really looked like like Brownie was going to get anything done. And then you looked at the end of the night and it was a goal and two assists. It was two goals, it, you know, and you were just like, how? Because he was, he was a real chunky skater and, uh, you know, he didn't, he, it, he didn't look like that era's 
elite players in that, but but man, and he, look, he benefited playing with Mario a little bit at times, but but he was one of those types of players where he just had that innate sense and and hockey sense and timing and all those things. And then the other one, and look, you can at me or whatever you want, but like he he's a little bit like Gretzky. Like Gretz was not a big guy. No. And he he did not have blistering speed. He he had a great shot, but it didn't look like it was, you know, a lot of times you were like, really? With that big, heavy Titan? And then he'd pick a corner and he'd score a goal here. And you're like, how did he show up there? And how did that happen there? But it it all started from it seemed like the neck up. And then uh and then there was a competitive uh juice that some other guys didn't just didn't have. And you combine a couple of those things together and you get pretty elite players. Like if look at him and look at McDavid. Like they're I think they're tied for the NHL yeah. lead in scoring. And Connor McDavid is a highlight reel every time he picks up the puck. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, and well, even McKinnon, McKinnon, those last two games, you're right. just like, you know, every time yes. he's on the ice. Yeah. And, and then with Jason, it's like one crafty, subtle little voodoo sorcery type <laughs> thing after another. And, and then the other part with him is he has a, a habit, a wonderful habit um, of being very clutch when you need a goal. Yes. Like a tying goal or a game-winning goal last year when they were in all those tight games. Uh, like you know, shootout goals. He was so good in the shootout in that. So that, that's, that's another thing that you just toss into a pocket and say, yeah, they, you know, the Robertson kid has that. But um, it, it's, it's just so fascinating that he's tied with McDavid, who's this you know, league uh, – poster boy for the the speed of the modern game and everything else and Connor McDavid's on a bazillion commercials up in Canada now uh and and he's he catches your eye he's like Madonna back in the day every time he right. grabs a puck you're just like whoa something's gonna happen and it was kind of the same thing in Robertson's rookie year when he was you know point by point with Kaprizov and Kaprizov does things all by his lonesome. Like he's, yep. he's an independent contractor and makes some wizardly things happen in that. And with Jason, it just, it never seems to, to fully get to that level optically. But if you watch him game in and game out, you come to appreciate just how a consistent he is with how he plays and B you better watch because he makes so many, again, subtle, excellent plays with the puck that don't end up on the score sheet. Yes. And then on top of those ones, he ends up on the score sheet every night. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Wedgwood works out with him in the summer in Michigan. I think they're both in the Detroit area. And he said that it's baffling how good he is with location. Like you talk about pitchers who can paint the corners and things of that nature. And he says he puts the puck exactly where he wants to put the puck. And he said that's really hard for a goalie to deal with a lot of times. Yeah, I I believe that. I mean, you witness it. Look at that goal yeah. last night. Oh. You know, like he looks like he he's exhausted. Like the, the hat trick goal Winnipeg. last year in Winnipeg. <laughs> like he looks like he doesn't have anything left. And then he scores. And yep. he looks like, well, there's no room. And then he scores. Like, it's just, I don't know. He just, it, it's pretty special. 
and as Pete said, unique. Yes. As are you, Mike Heike. I really am. Truly a unique individual. Anybody that can toss together a story that involves Mary Poppins in 2022 is a truly unique scribe. So congratulations to you. Thank you. And uh, it's wonderful having you back on the Podman Rush this week. And I guess we'll continue trying to come up with that that name for the hints line. Now that they're all moneyed up. The, it should be the hints line. The hints line. That'd it, be excellent. Hey, <laughs> the hints line. Or maybe, do they wear the same color in practice every day? I don't know. I just they feel like, be, again. The used to be the red line, didn't they? Yeah. Nah, red light line is what it should be. Hey, there you uh, go. Talking about the one-up line, the green aces. The, uh, just keep throwing them in there. <laughs> Some point, something's going to stick. Either that or it's just going to evaporate and they'll be playing with different players on the team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's wrap. Huh? Let's move on. Hey, we're home. We're home. It's a homestand now, Mike. <sighs> so nice. Five games. You exhausted from that uh, chartered flight uh, ritzy hotel road trip? You exhausted? Mike, it was difficult. It, yeah. It's so hard changing beds, isn't it, Daryl? You, you hate that when you have to change beds every night. Uh, I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> We're either going to do these podcasts like this, or we're just going to hit record sitting in seats <laughs> six E and F and just do the podcast from 30,000 feet. I don't want to like hear, good idea. I, I don't want to hear about your, your 750 thread count Egyptian cotton issues, Mike. I don't want to <laughs> hear it. I do want to hear from all of you out there though. We appreciate you. We do. We do. And we'll be back with another Podman Rush. I, I think we uh, enter into double digits next week, Mike. Whoa. I believe so. Although I'm not very good at counting. But I think we hit 10. I think we hit 10 as the stars hit the month of December. So from all of us here at the Podman Rush, you take care of them. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Woo! Robertson to Ben. He scores! Hey, Stars fans. This is Jamie Ben. Make DallasStars.com your only place for Stars news, exclusive content, game highlights, and more. Plus, DallasStars.com is your one-stop shop to purchase verified tickets to cheer on me and the boys all season long. Get in the game and visit DallasStars.com today.